We are on our last Sunday of dealing with the book of Revelation. And um, it's been a very interesting journey because the way that God has led me to prepare and led me to, 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 to where we are really has been totally not to do with what I prepared for it. Because I was thinking of spending a lot of time in detail, spending a lot of time dealing with stuff. But, um, but God has, has, has taken us on a different route. And I've, I've appreciated your comments and your feedbacks um, through the weeks. And I've really appreciated for us to be in the journey with the book of Revelation. Now, we've got the young people in today. So I think this is, this is a good time for us. And actually, we're in a good passage to be talking about the book of Revelation. But just to, to, to give you an overview... The book of Revelation is a very difficult book because basically it's a vision, it's a dream that God gave through his messengers to John the Apostle to write down and to pass it on to the churches. Now, the dream is very intense, it's got a lot of symbolisms, it's got a lot of pictures. And it's got a lot of battles. It's got a lot of um, things that you would not see in normal life. But when you look at that um, particular situation, you can see that there are principles that come out of that symbolism. Now, the only way I can explain this is by asking you a question. How would you explain Marmite? to an Albanian who has not ever gone out of his country or his village. So, an Albanian who lives in a remote village. How would you explain Marmite? I remember when missionaries came to Albania in the early 90s, and we were saying, do you miss anything from home? And they would say, Marmite. And I'm thinking, what's Marmite? <laughs> so... I just wanted to throw that in, just for us to get a glimpse of what, what they're trying to give us. You know. So what are some of the adjectives that you would use for Marmite? Come on. What's it? Salty. Okay? Disgusting. Delicious. Creamy. Jet black. Pardon? Jet black. Black. Black, sorry. Black. Jet black, the colour, sorry. Uh, is it brown? Yeah. I'm not very good with colours. <laughs> <laughs> it's very dark brown. The, the glass jar is jet black though, you're right. Unless you buy it in a white bucket. <laughs> Jill. Oh, Gwen. Yeasty, okay. Glossy. Emily? Works well with cheese. I agree with that, actually. But what about the taste of Marmite? How, like, horrible. Meaty. Very strong. Different from different people. Some people love it, some hate it. I happen to be one of those that loves it, actually, but... Jeff, what are you going to say? I don't want to touch it. 
You don't touch it. <laughs> jar on you all the time. No way. I think we're going to read the passage and I'm going to stop here. A jar with you all the time. This is not planned, guys. I promise. I promise. For those who are listening to the podcast, I'm holding a big jar of Marmite with me. Great. Thank you, Abby. I'll put it here. So there are some difficult concepts, like the taste of Marmite, although you have it with you all the time. Unless you taste it, and you go, mmm, or bleh, then you're missing out. And it doesn't matter how close to the description we come, it's still, it still goes to, to the taste, really. And basically, there is, this is what the book of Revelation is trying to do. <coughs> to communicate difficult concepts, or even just to give us the glimpses of the kingdom of God, glimpses of Christ's victory, and actually... If these glimpses do not cause us to worship, to bow down on our knees, then we're missing out. I think the whole purpose, I I truly believe this, that as much as it is one of the most difficult books in the scriptures, I think the main purpose of the book is to give us a glimpse of who God is and how story and history is in his hands and how he is the first and the last and how we respond to that regardless of what's going on now the recipients the initial recipients of this letter we, we've said it and I have to repeat it for the young people as well they were struggling with four things actually so when, when they received the letter, they've been following Jesus for quite a bit of time now, after Jesus has died and he's been resurrected and the apostles have been on the scene for some time. But they were struggling. This was a group of people, like us actually, who were really finding it difficult to follow Jesus. Because actually, Christian life, following Christ, is a difficult thing. So one of the things that these groups this group of believers were struggling with is that because they had believed in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, they had a lot of opposition and a lot of persecution. It's a little bit like the story that Ian shared about his Libyan friend. That the moment that you decide to follow Christ, there are some people that are going to like it and they're going to approve of it, and there are some good people that are going to hate you for it. And this comes with a package. Because not everybody out there loves Jesus. 
And because they don't like Jesus, they don't like you automatically. So this group of people who, who said, no, we want to follow Jesus, they were having a lot of opposition and a lot of things thrown their way because of the choices that they've made to follow Christ. The other thing was that within the congregation, there were some people who were reading scriptures, but they were coming up with funny ideas about the interpretation of scriptures. And the ideas were so funny that they were off the rails. So basically, they were going around teaching and misleading people about what God's word was saying to them, when in truth they knew that really God's word was saying something different. The other thing that they were struggling with was that because life, Christian life for them, had become so hard from persecution from the outside and from the false teaching from inside, they were asking the question, what's the point? And there was this temptation to, in the end of the day, give up church and give up the gathering and give up this, the Christian life because actually there is no point in this. And also, there is another group in the church because they were saying this, they were seeing the opposition from the outside, false teaching from inside, people being tempted to give up and a lot of grunting and a lot of uh, discontentment, they were saying, well, actually, I better can't be bothered and I'll switch off and I'll fall asleep. So John knows that, actually, he knows them very well and he's very caring for these people. So he says he's going to address and therefore God allows him to have this dream. So how can they live their life victoriously for Jesus in the midst of persecution, in the midst of false teaching, in the midst of temptation and in the midst of falling asleep. And we've been looking at different churches, we've been looking how the different images help people to think that actually all those things may look tough. God is the one who's got the last say. Overall, he wins. Overall, he's Alpha and Omega. He said it in the beginning of the book and he'll say it as we'll see today in the end of the book. So it's, it's a fascinating story. It's a fascinating dream. And one of the reasons why I've wanted to, 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 to dig in a little bit in the book is that we get that confidence to look up scripture that is also difficult. I've not got answers to a lot of questions that you might have about the book of Revelation. But I'm enjoying it because actually it's causing me to worship God and to rely on Him more and more, the more I see that the world around us is crumbling down. It's a mess. They need Jesus. So we have reached the end of the book. Today we're going to be looking at chapter 21 and 22. And again, I'm going to deal with a few concepts. We're not going to go in detail. If you wanted to go in detail, go and read it. And then come back to me if you've got uh, questions or speak to one another. But we're going to be talking today about heaven. Chapter 21 of the book of Revelation and chapter 22 gives us again a little glimpse about heaven. Gives us a little bit 
of guidance and information of what things look like. It's a different, it's a difficult subject, and I know that um, we can spend a lot of time speculating on different topics. But I think, I think, when when I was preparing for this, and I, I've really been struggling to, to to come up with something very clear, and I only had it this morning uh, finalized. But when we think of chapter 21 and chapter 22, I think one of the main themes is life. And there are four things that have to do with life in chapter 21 and chapter 22. The first thing that is mentioned there, that John sees in his dream, is the book of life. The second thing that is mentioned in chapter 21, verse um, 3, is the city of life. The third thing that is mentioned in chapter 21, verse 6, is the river of life. And then, towards the end of chapter 22, verse 14, it talks about the tree of life. What we're going to do today is we're going to be reading only the first Ten verses of um, chapter 21. I've asked Ben to to put them on on the screen, but I'd like for somebody to read the first ten verses, if I'm right. Oh, one to eight, sorry, of um, chapter 21 of Revelation. Anybody would like to be blessed and bless us? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulphur. This is the second death. Amen. Thank you. It's a tough passage. It's a difficult passage, but there is an, there is an element here that we need to celebrate. Because new 
it talks about the book of life. When, when we read about the book of life, there is only a few places that it's mentioned. But it's, it's usually, it's the place where the names of the righteous people, the names of the righteous people are registered. It's the book of life. It's for those people. It's, it's, it's the names that are written for those who've got an allegiance with Christ. For those who have accepted Christ as their Lord and Saviour. But do you, do you see how important this is for the first-hand recipients to receive this letter? Because they're being affirmed that because they follow Jesus, their decision is not going to be wasted away. They're going to see God face to face because they've made that statement that they've come to that place of trust in Christ with their lives and therefore their name will be written in the book of life. And the third part of the story is that for those who have not made that allegiance with Jesus their name will not be written in the book of life. What a tragedy. What a waste of time and energy. What a despair. And this is what makes my heart leap because I'm thinking, but what am I doing to address that? Because it's... it's, 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 It is okay to read it, it's very hard. But the problem is that we get so overwhelmed by the weight of reading this passage that we lose sight of the task that we've been given. And Jesus has given us the task to make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. To make people followers, apprentices of Jesus. So their names may be written in the book of life. Is your name written in the book of life? I think it's a question that you need to answer between you and God. It's a bit like John's question. I know what I have to do. John's answer, sorry. I know what I have to do. The other thing that comes here is the city of life. This is a city of life where God dwells, tabernacles with his people, and his people tabernacle with him. This is amazing. Because not only that people are are dwelling with God, but also God is fulfilling the promises and the covenants. The covenant that he gave to prophet Jeremiah is is saying that I'm going to build for them. No, that was David. No, I'm going to give them a new heart and they will be my people and I'll be their gods. This is part of the new covenant. When we celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we're celebrating that we are part of the new city. Now, somebody asked me about how my time in Bulgaria was. And... I think it was phenomenal. Because as I was preparing for it, 
I saw a glimpse of heaven in my gathering there with brothers and sisters. Now, for the young people, um, the whole area of Eastern Europe is a very tricky place, which is made up of a lot of small countries, which are very proud of our, their, well, our, their identity, their values, their country, flag. Everything has to do with who we are, you know. And it doesn't matter where you go in Balkans. Your next door neighbor country is your enemy. Because somehow, somewhere, there is a story of a disagreement or there is a story of injustice done. Also, traveling in that part of the world, going from one country to another country, depending what number plates you've got on, is really unsafe. Now, what happened on Tuesday evening? They've asked me to preach about the gospel. And I felt so inadequate because I felt so vulnerable, but also I felt so inadequate because I saw that God is at work, because we met at Sophia Baptist Church, and by the way, they send their greetings. But to see Serbs and Albanians and Macedonians and Croats and Bosniaks and Roma and Hungarians and Bulgarians and Romanians worship together, it's gobsmacking. Because that meeting will not even happen in governmental circles. But for us to say that actually we acknowledge that we've got allegiance with a higher king than our just normal governments. And we're going to submit all our hearts to him and we choose to be united. There was a glimpse of heaven. I don't want to take it lightly because I think there is a lot of hurt and there is a lot of heritage that has come through the centuries from all parts of things. So I'm quite objective in my approach to this. But I was really touched by how God made it possible for us to meet together and worship and honour God. And on, on Tuesday evening after I preached, we were praying for one another's countries. And I've never done that. But we were praying for God's kingdom to come in Bosnia-Herzegovina, which is the smallest church uh, membership of uh, Christians in all that area. Praying for Macedonia, praying for um, Serbia, praying for the next generation of young people next generation of leaders. It was so humbling. But that was a glimpse of heaven. And the scriptures remind us that actually the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be their God. 
He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. No more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the older of things have passed away. Behold, I make all things new, says the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And then there is a concept of the river of life. There is an invitation there that for those who are thirsty, come and drink for free water without a water meter. From the river of life. From the source of life himself. Come and drink. And then the final concept in chapter 22. It says, verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to be to the tree of life, and they go through the gates into the city. It brings us back to Genesis 1. This is the, the people, this is the, the God's creation reconciled. When Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden because they could not eat from the tree of life. Because they ate from the tree of knowing the good and evil. And now people return. Now people come and enjoy God's presence. Now people can come and eat from the tree of life. What a splendid picture. And this is all for all those people that have made an allegiance. For those of people who have embraced Christ as Lord and Savior. For those of people who have actually endured the toughness of persecution, who have endured the, the toughness of mockery from school friends, from colleagues. For those people who have stayed on, regardless of the false and the funny ideas that come once in a while in our church lives, saying, no, we're going to go back to the Scriptures. For those people who are waking up and saying, we're missing out if we don't embrace Jesus. All the promises are here. What do we do with them? We're going to be taking communion. And the communion fits very well with this. Because in communion we kind of remember the death and the resurrection. But also we're commanded to do this until the Lord returns. So here we are. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. One who testifies of all these things says, Yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. And the last phrase, the last sentence of the book is the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen.
that reminder that we can be victorious, not on our own capabilities, but whatever, through whatever Jesus has accomplished for us. And it's only by His grace. Not that we deserve it, but He has given us His grace. And this is our response to His grace. We want to live for Him. Because although He was betrayed on the night that He was with His disciples, there was others who said, No God, we want to take part in your suffering. We want to remember you being broken on the cross for us. We want to remember your blood being shed for our sins. And because we want to live our lives for you, we want to remember you because we cannot do it on our own. We want to remember you because we've got this deal with you, Lord, that we want to follow you. We want to be your disciples. We want to remember you because you have promised us the Holy Spirit to enable us to remember you. So as we come to the table, the invitation is still for us today. Come to me, all who are thirsty, and I'll give them from the water of life. Come to the table that Jesus, our Lord and King, has prepared for us. The one who is the first and the last. The Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet. He's got the first word and he's got the last word. And he is inviting you. So as you come and as you take part in this banquet, in this meal that Jesus has put forward for you, remember what he has done. Ask him to give you strength and go out of this place to live for him.